Section one of On the Various Forces of Nature by Michael Faraday. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by William Jones, Bonita Springs, Florida. On the Various Forces of Nature by Michael Faraday. Lecture one The Force of Gravitation, Part one. It grieves me much to think that I may have been a cause of disturbance in your Christmas arrangements, for nothing is more satisfactory to my mind than to perform what I undertake. But such things are not always left in our own power, and we must submit to circumstances as they are appointed. I will to-day do my best, and will ask you to bear with me if I am unable to give more than a few words. As a substitute, I will endeavor to make the illustrations of this sense I try to express as full as possible. And if we find, by the end of this lecture, that we may be justified in continuing them, thinking that next week our power shall be greater, why then, with submission to you, we will take such course as you may think fit, either to go on or to discontinue them. And, although I now feel much weakened by the pressure of illness, a mere cold, upon me, both in facility of expression and clearness of thought, I shall here claim, as I always have done on these occasions, the right of addressing myself to the young members of the audience. And for this purpose, therefore, unfitted as it may seem for an elderly, infirm man to do so, I will return to second childhood and become, as it were, young again amongst the young. Let us now consider for a little while how wonderfully we stand upon the world. Here it is we are born, bred, and live, and yet we view these things with an almost entire absence of wonder to ourselves respecting the way in which all this happens. So small indeed is our wonder that we are never taken by surprise, and I do think that to a young person of ten, fifteen, or twenty years of age, perhaps the first sight of a cataract or a mountain would occasion him more surprise than he had ever felt concerning the means of his own existence, how he came here, how he lives, by what means he stands upright, and through what means he moves about from place to place. Hence we come into this world we live and depart from it without our thoughts being called specifically to consider how this all takes place and were it not for the exertions of some few inquiring minds who have looked into these things and ascertained the very beautiful laws and conditions by which we do live and stand upon the earth we should hardly be aware that there was anything wonderful in it in these inquiries, which have occupied philosophers from the earliest days, when they first began to find out the laws by which we grow and exist and enjoy ourselves up to the present time, have shown us that all this was effected in consequence of the existence of certain forces or abilities to do things or powers that are so common that nothing can be more so. For nothing is commoner than the wonderful powers by which we are enabled to stand upright. They are essential to our existence every moment. It is my purpose today 
to make you acquainted with some of these powers, not the vital ones, but some of the more elementary and what we call physical powers. And in the outset, what can I do to bring to your minds a notion of neither more nor less than that which I mean by the word power or force? Suppose I take this sheet of paper and place it upright on one edge, resting against a support before me as the roughest possible illustration of something to be disturbed. And suppose I then pull this piece of string which is attached to it. I pull the paper over, and I have therefore brought into use a power of doing so. The power of my hand carried on through the string in a way which is very remarkable when we come to analyze it, and it is by means of these powers conjointly, for there are several powers here employed, that I pull the paper over. Again, if I give it a push upon the other side, I bring into play a power, but a different exertion of power from the former. Or if I take now this bit of shellac, a stick of shellac about twelve inches long and one in diameter, and rub it with flannel, and hold it an inch or so in front of the upper part of this upright sheet, the paper is immediately moved toward the shellac and by now drawing the latter away the paper falls over without having been touched by anything you see in the first illustration i produced an effect than which nothing could be commoner i pull it over now not by means of that string or the pull of my hand but by some action in the shellac the shellac therefore has a power wherewith it acts upon the sheet of paper and as an illustration of the exercise of another kind of power, I might use gunpowder with which to throw it over. Now I want you to endeavor to comprehend that when I am speaking of a power or force, I am speaking of that which I used just now to pull over this piece of paper. I will not embarrass you at present with the name of that power, but it is clear there was a something in the shellac which acted by attraction and pull the paper over. This, then, is one of those things which we call power or force, and you will now be able to recognize it as such in whatever form I show it to you. We are not to suppose that there are so very many different powers. On the contrary, it is wonderful to think of how few are the powers by which all the phenomena of nature are governed. There is an illustration of another kind of power in that lamp. There is a power of heat, a power of doing something, but not the same power as that which pulled the paper over. And so by degrees we find that there are certain other powers, not many, in the various bodies around us. And thus beginning with the simplest experiments of pushing and pulling, I shall gradually proceed to distinguish these powers one from the other, and compare the way in which they combine together. This world upon which we stand, and we have not much need to travel out of the world for illustrations of our subject, but the mind of man is not confined like the matter of his body, and thus he may and does travel outwards for wherever his sight can pierce, there his observations can penetrate, is pretty nearly a round globe, 
having its service disposed in a manner of which this terrestrial globe by my side is a rough model. So much is land, and so much is water, and by looking at it here we see in a sort of map or picture how the world is formed upon its surface. Then, when we come to examine it further, I refer you to this sectional diagram of the geological strata of the earth, in which there is a more elaborate view of what is beneath the surface of our globe. And when we come to dig into or examine it, as man does for his own instruction and advantage in various of ways, we see that it is made up of different kinds of matter subject to a very few powers and all disposed in a strange and wonderful way which gives to man a history and such a history as to what there is in these veins in these rocks the ores the water springs the atmosphere around and all the varieties of material substances held together by means of forces in one great mass eight thousand miles in diameter that the mind is overwhelmed in contemplation of the wonderful history related by these strata some of which are fine and thin like sheets of paper all formed in succession by the forces of which i have spoken i now shall try to help your attention to what i may say by directing to-day our thoughts to one kind of power you see what i mean by the term matter any of these things that I can lay hold of with the hand, or a bag, for I may take hold of the air by enclosing it in a bag. They are all portions of matter with which we have to deal at present, generally or particularly, as I may require to illustrate my point. Here is the sort of matter which we call water. It is there ice, pointing to a block of ice upon the table. There water pointing to the water boiling in a flask, there vapor you see issuing out from the top of the flask. Do not suppose that ice and that water are two entirely different things, or that the steam rising in bubbles and ascending in vapor there is absolutely different from the fluid water. It may be different in some particulars, having reference to the amounts of power which it contains, but it is the same, nevertheless, as the great ocean of water around our globe, and I employ it here for the sake of illustration, because if we look into it, we shall find that it supplies us with examples of all the powers to which I have to refer. For instance, here is water, it is heavy, but let us examine it with regard to the amount of its heaviness or its gravity. I have before me a little glass vessel, and scales nearly equipoised scales one of which contained a half-pint glass vessel and the glass vessel is at present the lighter of the two now if i take some water and pour it in you see that the side of the scales immediately goes down that shows you using common language which i will not suppose for the present you have hitherto applied very strictly that is heavy and if I put this additional weight into the opposite scale, I should not wonder if this vessel would hold water enough to weigh it down. The lecture poured some more water into the jar, which again went down. Why do I hold the bottle above the vessel to pour the water into it? 
you will say because experience has taught me that it is necessary i do it for a better reason because it is a law of nature that the water should fall toward the earth and therefore the very means which i use to cause the water to enter the vessel are those which will carry the whole body of water down that power is what we call gravity and you see there pointing to the scales a good deal of water gravitating toward the earth now here exhibiting a small piece of platinum is another thing which gravitates toward the earth as much as the whole of that water see what a little there is of it that little thing is heavier than so much water placing the metal in opposite scales to the water what a wonderful thing it is to see that it requires so much water as that a half pint vessel full to fall toward the earth compared with the little mass of substance i have here and again if i take this metal a bar of aluminum about eight times the bulk of the platinum we find that the water will balance that as well as it did the platinum so that we get even in the very outset an example of what we went to understand by the words forces and powers i have spoken of water and first of all of its property of falling downwards you know very well how the oceans surround the globe how they fall around the surface giving roundness to it clothing it like a garment but besides that there are other properties of water here for instance is some quicklime and if i add some water to it you will find another power or property in the water it is now very hot it is steaming up and i could perhaps light a phosphorus or a lucifer match with it now that could not happen without a force in the water to produce the result but that force is entirely distinct from its power of falling to the earth again here is another substance some anhydrous sulphate of copper which will illustrate another kind of power the lecturer here poured some water over the white sulphate of copper which immediately became blue evolving considerable heat at the same time here is the same water with a substance which heats nearly as much as the lime does but see how differently so great indeed is this heat in the case of lime that it is sufficient sometimes as you see here to set wood on fire and this explains what we have sometimes heard of barges laden with quicklime taking fire in the middle of the river in consequence of this power of heat brought into play by a leakage of the water into the barge you see how strangely different subjects for our consideration arise when we come to think over these various matters the power of heat evolved by acting upon lime with water and the power which water has of turning this salt of copper from white to blue now i want you to understand the nature of the most simple exertion of this power of matter called weight or gravity bodies are heavy you saw that in the case of the water when i placed it in the balance here i have what we call a weight an iron half hundred weight a thing called a weight because in it the exercise of that power of pressing downward is especially used for the purpose of weighing 
and i have also one of these little inflated india-rubber bladders which are very beautiful although very common most beautiful things are common and i am going to put the weight upon it to give you a sort of illustration of the downward pressure of the iron and of the power which the air possesses of resisting that pressure it may burst but we must try to avoid that during the last few observations the lecturer had succeeded in placing the half hundredweight in a state of quiescence upon the inflated india rubber ball which consequently assumed a shape very much resembling a flat cheese with rounded edges there you see a bubble of air bearing half a hundredweight and you must conceive for yourselves what a wonderful power there must be to pull this weight downwards to sink it thus in the ball of air end of section one